Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Breda Pest Management, the official pest control of UGA Athletics. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. So we talked yesterday a little bit about the possibility with Travars Robinson coming into Georgia as safeties coach, co-defensive coordinator, a guy who has a tie with Alabama's best player, Caleb Downs, that, hey, maybe if Caleb Downs would consider transferring, maybe Georgia, who missed out on getting Downs the first time around when he went to Alabama, maybe Georgia would have a second chance, and maybe the dogs could make good on that second chance. We've even had some reporting, serious capital j journalist tom van Haren saying it's a possibility that uh downs could consider leaving alabama and if he did george would be in the mix it's all really interesting i don't necessarily have anything new for you on that topic here today other than just to kind of remind you that it is out there it's interesting and if you missed yesterday's show it's worth going back and checking that out for that reason but what I do have in light of that discussion and it being ongoing the idea well of course George would want a chance at a guy like Downs he's a terrific player and Kirby Smart of course is always trying to do whatever he can do to get in the mix for players like this I thought that Lane Kiffin had a very funny post on the platform now called X I for the most part still call it Twitter I just feel like that's a little easier to say for some reason X doesn't exactly roll off the tongue for me necessarily but it is officially called X uh, formerly known as Twitter I believe you're supposed to say uh, but either way, uh, Lane Kiffin laughing in this. So a guy named Georgia Bull Doge, which I believe is a cryptocurrency reference, uh, uh, Georgia Bull Doge puts on Twitter, find someone that looks at you like Kirby Smart looks at Caleb Downs. Going back to their time after the SEC championship, nice uh, embrace here. Kirby uh, coming in for the real thing, so to speak, and uh, really spending some time there with Caleb Downs after that game to let him know what a great player he thought he was and all the kind pleasantries and so Lane Kiffin sees this retweets it uh with the uh, laughing emoji there so Kiffin laughing at the idea <laughs> that Kirby Smart was using his time after the SEC championship to perhaps re- recruit Caleb Downs now here's what I'm here to tell you that this is not the first time this thing has sort of gone on between Kirby and uh, Lane Kiffin before. A lot of y'all know Lane Kiffin is not always my cup of tea. I don't find him to be a very serious person. Now, I, I think it's fun to have a funny personality, things like that, especially on social media. Uh, but in terms of like taking that next step and being like a real coach in full, you know, a, a serious coach that you would take seriously uh kiffin always stops short of sort of being that guy for me but admittedly some of the things that kiffin does i do laugh at this is an example of that when i saw this yesterday i did kind of laugh at it the idea that kiffin who's been pretty active kind of making fun of alabama a little bit in the uh, early days the kalen DeBoer era also took some time to sort of put this out there as well and kirby in the past when it comes to stuff like this has sort of always chosen to be a pretty good sport about this kind of stuff there was the thing going back a couple of springs ago around father's day i guess it would have been when uh there the meme of like Nick Saban holding Kirby Smart like he was a baby. Obviously, the reference there to the idea that Saban was uh, Kirby's daddy and stuff like that. And when Kirby's been asked about this kind of stuff, he's always been pretty good natured about it and uh, acknowledging that a lot of this sort of back and forth ribbing is the kind of thing that these younger coaches do via text messages and things like that all the time. In fact, let me go back to 2021 when one of those early like Kiffin memes sort of popped up making fun of Kirby, the sort of good natured way in which Kirby handle that in the past let me let you hear this 
I'll give Lane this. He didn't post that uh, unwarranted. I mean, we have a, a, a legendary side thread that goes on between Lane and I, so he sent that on the side thread long before he posted it on Twitter. So I know he does it for reaction and for entertainment. We spent several years together there at uh, at Alabama, and that's that's another one of his ways of taking a shot back at me because, you know, he used to get whoopings when we were there. I didn't get, <laughs> I, I didn't get the same whoopings he got. So uh, he's getting his – he's trying to get his, his jabs back. I've said this before. I like the fact that Kirby has friends. I like the fact that Kirby, who does a very abnormal job, and he does it with an abnormal level of intensity, more on that in a moment, I like that Kirby has friends. I think friends keep you grounded, and I don't mind Lane Kiffin making fun of Kirby Smart because if Lane Kiffin makes fun of Kirby Smart and that makes Kirby Smart a little bit more of a normal guy in the midst of a very abnormal set of circumstances, being the leader of such a powerful organization, Georgia football, I think in a roundabout way that's sort of good. You need people in your life to keep you grounded, and Kirby's coaching friends, guys on his staff like Bobo Muschamp, you know, guys around the SEC that he's worked with in the past, such as Lane Kiffin, I think those guys to a degree help keep Kirby grounded, make it feel like it's always felt even when they were younger and less highly paid than they are now and a roundabout way I think that's a good thing and the fact that Kirby's not so super serious that he can't laugh at himself you like the you know the video the other day and this is not to disrespect Taylor Swift but you know the one where like she was I guess made fun of on the Golden Globes Awards and she had like no like smile about that at all listen I'm not trying to get the Swifties after me here I'm just saying that there are some people that sort of achieve a certain level of status and they think it's impossible to imagine that anyone would ever laugh at them or want to kind of poke fun at them. Kirby Smart is not quite Taylor Swift-level famous, but he's obviously on top of the college football world, but he's not so super serious or sort of self-involved that he can't have a little fun at his own expense. I think that's probably a pretty good thing and probably a pretty healthy thing. But beyond that, the picture that Lane Kiffin shares there of Kirby Smart and you know perhaps trying to get a little word in with uh, Caleb Downs there – I think what that really is is more of an embodiment of the kind of spirit that exists around Georgia. And listen, if you're not a good, if you're not a Georgia fan, I've got some bad news for you. You know, on the heels of two straight national championships, and with Nick Saban stepping away and kind of a new landscape uh, around college football, if you think that Georgia was going to use this as a time to perhaps kick back and relax, maybe rest on laurels. I think right now you're about to find out how not true that is. We talked a little bit last week about this massive recruiting weekend that Georgia was hosting as a way of really kind of kicking off that 2025 recruiting cycle. And boy, things must have gone really well there because we have seen a lot of decommitments uh, from recruits who attended that weekend since then. In fact, let me show you the first one here. It's Mason Short, big-time Alabama uh, offensive line prospect, had been committed to the Crimson Tide, but yesterday announced that he was decommitting from Alabama fresh off to visit to UGA. Now, Short is a big deal. This is the kind of elite offensive line talent that really acts as a separator between a program like Georgia and those competing to try to get alongside Georgia and the guys like Mason Short that you want to have in your program that help make you the kind of dominant line of scrimmage program we've grown to see UGAB so Short visits Georgia right after that he decommits from Alabama and then I'm talking about the ink is barely dry on the ink uh, on the decommitment graphic and all of a sudden you've got a (laughs) 
Mason Short sharing this on his Twitter of the Kirby Copter landing right there at Mason Short's high school, bringing that thing down for a landing and taking a visit to see. I mean, this is this is the energy that Kirby Smart's working with right now. It's not just Caleb Downs in December. It's Mason Short fresh off an Alabama decommitment. Uh, you know, in, in fact, we can uh, watch the video here if you're watching here live. And then you see the photos here of, uh, of Kirby and Short together and the uh, family at one point in time, Mason Short saying that that uh, his uh, mom looks like pretty happy there to see Kirby Smart there in this spot. So this gives you an idea of kind of how things are going here right now that Kirby Smart gets the decommitment from uh, from uh, Mason Short, flies out to see him in the Kirby Copter, poses for the pictures. Everybody's all smiling. This is how quick uh, things are operating right now when it comes to uh, uh, Kirby Smart jumping on the uh, Mason Short situation there right there. But that's not the only decommitment as of late from a uh, recruit that visited Georgia this past weekend. You've got Chris Ewald, the uh, defensive back who had been a Michigan commit. Well, we've also got in the last couple of days the announcement from him that he is decommitting from Michigan fresh off a Georgia visit so once again Lane Kiffin laughs at Kirby Smart for the way that you know Kirby's kind of going out there and perhaps chasing down Caleb Downs fresh off the Nick Saban retirement but that's not the only iron that Smart's got in the fire right now it's Mason Short it's perhaps Chris Ewald and then to add sort of uh, to that the recruit we've been talking about now for a while last you know couple of years or not couple of years but last year at least as perhaps the most important recruit of all that's out there, and this was true at times for you know guys who were committed in 2024, guys who could be out there, be out there in 2025. We've said perhaps the most important recruit for Georgia in this upcoming cycle is a guy like Elijah Griffin defensive lineman five star from the savannah area that georgia's need to make sure it continues to win with these elite defensive line prospects griffin's not the only one but he's among the most i think well known for this 2025 recruiting cycle that georgia's need to continue doing that going to be really important and lo and behold in the midst of all of this uh you've got now chad simmons respected reporter for on three he's logging in an online prediction for georgia to land elijah griffin putting this in there uh this week here so we've said griffin may be the most important prospect that's out there for georgia in the class of 2025 along with other line of scrimmage type guys on both offensive and defensive line and lo and behold once again fresh off a very busy recruiting weekend for uga you've got respected rec uh, recruiting reporters like chad simmons logging in their prediction that griffin ends up at uga so the point here is it's funny to see Lane Kiffin laughing at Kirby Smart for the way that Kirby Smart supposedly kind of chased down Caleb Downs after the SEC championship game. But that's not the only elite prospect Smart's trying to chase down here right now. It's Mason Short. It's perhaps Chris Ewald. It's Elijah Griffin. It's perhaps everybody else in between there as well. That Georgia shows no signs of slowing down here at all. And it is a sharp contrast. Obviously, we've all taken our time over the course of the last few days to recognize the legacy of Nick Saban, the greatness of his career. But it is over. And the career of Kirby Smart at Georgia, based on the actions here of this week, it may only just now really be getting started. My name is Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans, presented today by Breda Pass Management. We are happy to have you with us, no matter how you get to us today, live on video. Typically speaking, we're going to be back live soon. We have a great new studio rollout. I was over there yesterday. It's one of those things where when you're doing some of that kind of stuff, you know, at first, it's always hard for it to, like, sort of look 
like a studio and kind of look the way you want to look. And then we've changed studios now about a thousand times. So we're kind of used to this process at this point, but starting to really kind of look and feel like a studio. And once we're there, we're going to be able to kind of roll out and do the show live in our normal format the way we have for so many years. I am so excited about all of that. Really appreciate everyone behind the scenes who's working so hard to make this a possibility. It is just a great thing. Uh, to be able to see can't wait to share that with you normally radio as well and our friends Athens sports radio 96 the ref we love that podcast platforms all over the place there as well a lot of ways for you to connect with the program we're just really happy that you do uh really good stuff there on that front and a huge thanks to our friends at breda pest management who make all of this possible the official pest control provider of uga athletics that is what breda pest management is all about now it's cool to say you work with the company that works with UGA when you're there at Sanford Stadium or Stegman Coliseum. By the way, speaking of Stegman Coliseum, how about a big win last night on the road for the uh, dogs at South Carolina? More on that in a moment. But the point is, is that it's cool to say, hey, you know, the, the, the pest control company that takes care of Sanford Stadium and Stegman Coliseum and Foley Field and all those places, that's the same company that takes care of my house there as well. There's some prestige associated with that. A little bit of a bragging right to be able to say the company that UGA trust is also the company that I trust and that's all really good but in addition to that there is something in it for you when you make the switch to Breda Pest Manager for your termite protection perhaps pest control when you do so you are going to put more money back in your pocket just for making that decision now you may be saying well how is that possible everything lately is more expensive and that seemingly is true but what Breda provides is the kind of sort of heritage of success you know in business since 1975, kind of a multi-generational family story. Uh, 125 employees sort of stretched out all across our market area. When you've had that kind of success for as long as Breda has, that gives them some some resources to allow it to be leveraged for your benefit, meaning that because it's a, a successful company and because they've been doing this for a long time, they actually can offer you a higher level of service at a lower price. And so that's why you want to make the switch to Breda here today. So find them online. It's BredaPest.com. B-R-E-D-A, BredaPest.com. The official pest control provider of UGA Athletics can be your termite company there as well and you can make some money put more money back in your pocket when you make the switch so one more time it's bradapest.com b-r-e-d-a all right update from us coming up in a moment on a big big fun thing we're doing here at dognation.com right now we'll tell you more about that coming up our buddy mike griffith stops by to kind of catch up on all the news around uga here as of late and uh some fun here before we're done with the program too i'll tell you more about here in just a moment prior to that though let us go around the doghouse here today and this is kind of a small thing at the moment because we don't quite know yet where this is going but i do find it to be interesting many of you know that uh you know kind of the top prospect in the state of georgia over the course of the last couple of years has been a quarterback from carrollton named julian lewis it was last year that espn made a big thing about coming out and saying the juju which is what uh, lewis is kind of known by uh kind of a nickname that Lewis was the number one prospect in all of you know high school football, regardless of grade, regardless of wherever, that Lewis was the number one prospect of all at the time. He was just sort of beginning his sophomore season. Well, we have now found out that Lewis is actually reclassifying, originally supposed to be a class of 2026 quarterback and really on his way to perhaps breaking all the records that you know the guys like Aaron Philo from uh, Prince Avenue from this past year or Gunnar Stockton and Trevor Lawrence they've all been a part of Julian Lewis was really kind of on track to maybe break all those and go down as one of the most heralded quarterbacks in the history of the state of Georgia and now that high school career for Lewis is actually going to end one year sooner he has reclassified 
to the class of 2025 would essentially make this upcoming fall his last season of high school football and this is interesting on a number of fronts a lewis has been committed to usc and i don't think i'm overstating things when i say the vibe around usc is completely different right now than it was before you know i would say that lincoln riley's star as a coach seems to have fallen just a bit i would say the usc program's prestige at least for now and i'm trying not to overstate this but it seems to have been tarnished a bit i mean usc is sort of moving into the big 10 for this upcoming year and at one point in time that was thought to be the big get for the league but as it stands right now the actual best team coming in from these former pac-12 teams it's really oregon and washington's the team that played for the national championship and while they are from a business standpoint thought to be somewhat of a lesser thing than usc and maybe even ucla as well because of the la tie there uh the truth is is on the field usc took a big step back in comparison to say oregon and washington here this year so one way or another even before the reclassification from lewis sort of stood as kind of conventional wisdom that usc may have a hard time holding on to a player like this because usc as a program just doesn't quite feel the same way that it has i think that's i think that's a real and legitimate discussion here right now but where georgia comes in on all of this is is that when a guy like this reclassifies you typically assume that he's reclassifying for a reason and while we don't fully know all of lewis's reasons we do know this it's being commonly reported right now including jeremy johnson from on three as well that uh, Lewis is going to take a visit to Georgia coming up on February 3rd. He said he's locked in his first visit as a 2025 target. So get the timeline on this. Get the symbolism on this. So it's announced that Lewis reclassifying to 2025. And the first act of business as a newly minted 2025 recruit, formerly 2026, uh, is to take a visit to UGA. Now, listen, I'm someone who follows recruiting. I don't consider myself a recruiting reporter, nor, nor do I think you should consider me a recruiting reporter. But I think we can all look at this and say, something feels like it's going on here. The timeline here would certainly lead you to believe there is a set of circumstances in place that is you know, really pretty fascinating here. And while I can't go as far as to say that means that Julian Lewis is going to come to Georgia, I can tell you this. Lewis came to a lot of Georgia games this year. I saw him in Athens at least twice, maybe been three times, but I saw him in Athens at least twice. So, you know, during this fall, Lewis was still coming to a good number of Georgia games. Now, a lot of times when that happens, it's just a guy who wants to sort of be where the action is and, you know, enjoy kind of a free ticket, you know, you know, chance to be fed and a chance to be, you know, kind of uh, uh, rolled out the red carpet for. And so, you know, not every recruit visit means something. I don't know how much the Lewis, uh, you know, visits to Athens this past fall necessarily meant, but it's at least something in that regard. And the other point I'll make for you here real quick is this, is that I think the idea that Georgia, you know, fresh off, you know, what kind of went wrong with uh, Dylan Riola is kind of like right back on the horse again and looking at a guy like Julian Lewis, who's probably the better overall prospect anyway, and now looking at him for the class of 2025 as opposed to the class of 2026. I do think that tells you a little bit about the program growth of UGA. Like when you want to go back to early days of Kirby Smart, you're thinking about, you know, a lot of defense, a lot of running the ball. But really, you know, in terms of perception, the, the idea of the full offense, the passing game in particular, that was a little bit of a uh, of an area that kind of lagged behind perception, these, you know, other other facets of the program. But we saw Stetson Bennett become a Heisman finalist here. And we see Carson Beck coming back for his senior year on the 
sort of the short list, I believe he, along with a couple of other guys, are kind of the shortest list of favorites for this year's Heisman Trophy. That Georgia has achieved a status at the quarterback position now that sort of matches what it's been able to do at other positions there too. So keep that in mind as the reason why Georgia is able to even get involved with a quarterback like Lewis. Like when Julian first sort of made his decision to go to USC, you know, you know, the idea was, well, USC is a far better program for quarterbacks than Georgia is. But since then, we've seen great success for Stetson Bennett. We've seen great success for Carson Beck. We believe we're going to see more. And some of these other programs that have had quarterback but not much else, all of a sudden the stature of those programs seems to be falling. So I don't know where things are going to go with Lewis here. I really don't. But I do know this, is that Georgia stands on much more equal footing with any program when it comes to competing for quarterbacks than it has in the past and that certainly means something and that is around the doghouse on dog nation daily here today now we're going to talk to mike griffith before we do on that uh let me remind you of what you can do at dognation.com right now many of you know that next week i'm looking forward to being on board icon of the seas not to brag but i get to be one of the first people to put my feet on this brand new cruise ship it's going to be a great experience and all of that is for me is sort of a wet the whistle appetizer for the big event that's going to take place in april when we're all on board the dog nation cruise together and the good news is courtesy of our friends at kroger what an amazing thing this is for kroger to do this this is just sort of kroger saying we want to take good care of our dog nation audience and just sort of do something nice give everybody a chance to win uh one person going to be a lucky winner here so if you go to dognation.com you can register for your chance here now we try to make things as simple as possible. So when you find the link right there at the top of the page at dognation.com, simply click into that. And when you do, you'll just give us your you know name, your information, and you're going to tell us your favorite Brock Bowers moment. And of all the selections that we get, someone is going to be drawn at random as the uh, winner there on that. And you and a guest are going to join us on board Allure of the Seas for our Dog Nation cruise coming up in April. Now, obviously, there's still some space for you to be a part of the Dog Nation cruise if you don't you know, like your chances of winning here on this. Uh, and if you're already signed up for the Dog Nation cruise, well, if you are happen to be the winner you can still sign up for this if you happen to be the winner then we'll just sort of credit your cruise for you there on that so it's a great opportunity for everybody to have their chance to win the dog nation cruise coming up in april so enter for your chance to win we'll draw one of those winners coming up here at dognation.com courtesy of our friends at kroger that is ongoing at dognation.com so please make sure you check that out today what an exciting thing that is going to be all right before we're done here today i think i have an idea for how we can bring a truce between Alabama fans and Georgia fans. There's been a little bit of a warring faction among these uh, groups here uh, right now. So, uh, you know, in the light of the DeBoer era and the end of the Saban era, Alabama fans are a little antsy here. So I'm going to see if I can sort of bring fans together before it's all said and done on our uh, program today. But for now, when it comes to everything going on with Georgia football, coaching hire being made, busy on the uh, recruiting front, and all kinds of excitement going on, let's cover a lot of those bases right now as welcoming Mike Griffith here today on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Breda Pest Management. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. We will say hello to Mike Griffith here on uh, Dog Nation Daily here today, presented by Breda Pass Management. And uh, Mike, appreciate your time. It's certainly been interesting around Georgia as of late, and we'll kind of jump right into this. 
you know, Georgia on Saturday, we find out kind of out of nowhere is uh, hiring Travars Robinson as a safeties coach and a co-defensive coordinator. Will Muschamp sort of stepping into an off-field role remaining with the program. Then it seems like uh, Robinson may rethink that, go back to Alabama. Then Georgia kind of wins the battle to keep T-Rob. Sort of a wild swing of news there over the course of 24, 48, 72 hours. What did you make of how all of that played out? surprising in some respects because we thought he was already hired and then it turns out that Alabama gets another interview with him it's almost as if Nick Saban called over to Kalen DeBoer and said wait a minute you let that guy go get him back over here for an interview uh but Kirby had already made the sell obviously Will Muschamp had a lot of influence uh T-Rob a guy that was Will's protege at Florida at South Carolina it just you know, it's such a big hire, and because of the coaching change in Alabama, I think it put a lot more attention on this. I mean, we do pay attention to coaching changes during the offseason, and assistant coaches commonly change schools. But this was magnified, I think, Brandon, because of the nature uh, of where Alabama's at, the struggle uh, that we all anticipate DeBoer will have to fill Nick Saban's shoes, particularly since he's still in them. Um, and this was clearly a win for Georgia. I mean, somebody was going to win and somebody was going to lose in a very public showdown uh, for T-Rob. Yeah, to me it comes down to, and I say this all the time, that when it comes to like the very best recruiting assistant coaches, it's a little bit like the very best players. There are never enough of them to go around. That's the nature of college football. There is a scarcity of resource, and the very best programs tend to hoard more than their fair share. And so Travaris Robinson, knowledge of the SEC, recruits know him there as well. You know, there's a reason why a guy like this is coveted by multiple programs is because, you know, he is one of that sort of rare category that's capable of burning the candle at both ends, capable of forging the relationships that matter here. And so, you know, the idea that Georgia had to go through a little bit of a wrestling match to keep him, that doesn't bother me because I think ultimately it's good to win a battle like this. And the very best programs are going to be defined by the kinds of coaching hires they're capable of making. So, you know, the idea this thing got a little muddy uh, towards the end there, to me, that's just the nature of all is fair in the uh, SEC. And I think as far as I'm concerned, it's a credit to Georgia for striking fast, maybe before DeBoer, you know, fully got his sea legs underneath him there to uh, swoop in here and get, as you said, a coach that clearly would have had some value remaining in Tuscaloosa as well. No question, Brandon. And I'll tell you, it really does make you question how involved Nick Saban is because for all the talk about Nick Saban being right there and having an office, Brian Denny stadium and DeBoer seeking his wisdom. To me, this was a massive fumble. Uh, by Alabama. This guy should have never been let go. This should have been a priority for Kalen DeBoer when he first took over. Clearly, he was not. Uh, now they're bringing in a coach who was the head coach at South Alabama, uh, who coached with DeBoer at Indiana, kind of another outsider there, if yeah. you will. Um, so there was a lot of takeaways from this. But to your point, the big takeaway is that the Georgia coaching staff got better. Uh, the reason it got better is because, you know, Coach Muschamp's in a position where he wants to see his son play uh, in Nashville. He wants more family time. Uh, they were going to have to make a move on that staff. And getting his understudy, getting his protege, uh, to me, is just it's, – it's it's optimal, Brandon. And and for the people that are listening, and, and I know not everybody gets into assistant coach news, all you need to do is think about the last time Georgia lost a home game. It was in 2019. 
Think about that. That's just an amazing stat. Well, P-Rob was the defensive coordinator, and he worked with the secondary there. And this year, when we think about Carson Beck and some of the struggles he had in the SEC championship game, P-Rob's cornerbacks both projected first-round picks. This guy has produced a lot of talent. He's universally respected as a former Auburn All-SEC safety, a guy that played in the NFL, ties to Miami where he's from. I mean, really, if you're drawing up a high-profile assistant coach, I think I'd make him about 42 years old, which T-Rob is. Mm-hmm. I just don't think Georgia could have done any better for this position. And I, I love, speaking as a Georgia fan, of course, I love Will Muschamp sticking around. I like the fact that his voice is still going to be in the program. And I also respect the idea that you know at this stage of his life, he's made a lot of money. He's been a head coach two different places. He's now ready to enjoy a little bit more of the family part of this. And Mike, I got to tell you, I like it that family means something to the Georgia coaches. I, I said this the other day, you know, those of us who are UGA fans expect the Georgia coaches to work hard. That's what the SEC requires. But hopefully none of us say we need you to abandon your family and completely miss out on the milestone moments for your kids in order to make Georgia football better. Because the honest truth is whatever extra work you're doing that takes you away from your family and seeing your sons grow up, that's probably not making Georgia all that much better anyway at that point in time. So I like the idea that Georgia – coaches value family i like the idea that Muschamp sees an opportunity to be a little closer to his son as he gets a chance to be an sec football player what a cool thing that is obviously Muschamp enjoyed you know seeing jackson play in the orange bowl which i think was probably the most fun moment for me in the entire game almost mm-hmm. uh the point is is that i love that these hard driving georgia coaches also seem to value the role that family plays in their lives and i think that's something we should all pay close attention to Oh, no, no doubt. And that's part of the culture, I think, that Kirby's created. Um, you know, when you think about what makes Georgia go, we talk about the connectedness. And, and listen, it, it, it all sounds good, Brandon. All these coaches are going to talk about being connected, right? But when the, the proof is in the pudding. And when Georgia went down to the Orange Bowl, not in the college football playoff, very disappointed to become the first team in history to drop from number one out of the top four, despite only losing by three points. They were upset. They were disappointed. Uh, but they opted in. They said, you know what? We're, we're going to handle this adversity by staying together, finishing together. Even though Marius Mims and Brock Bowers couldn't play in the game, they were on the sideline. I mean, think about that. Florida State's guy, they're nowhere to be found. They had nine guys opted out. Um, and, and how did they handle adversity? And to me, that's that's where you see who learned the lesson. You see who has the family atmosphere. Because as you said, I mean, if coaches have a family atmosphere uh, and, and prioritize their own family, that's going to carry over into the football building because, um, you know, they, they kind of become, you know, parents for these kids, for lack of a better word, while they're away, while they're training, uh, they're, they're advisors. Uh, they're there to, to hear their troubles, um, and and it's a very close knit, connected Georgia program, and and to me that was a winning edge for. It's been a winning edge, and I don't know what next year's team will look like. Um, I don't know the chemistry yet. That's all uh, yet to play out. But bringing in a guy like T. Rob, and as you said, uh, you know, keeping Muschamp uh, associated with the program, hard to know how much he'll actually be involved. His role is as an analyst. I, I think he'll still be around for a bit, certainly in off season. Um, you know, to me, it's just it couldn't have been a better situation. So let me ask you about the Kalen DeBoer situation in Alabama, and obviously the aftermath of the Nick Saban retirement. I think you and I both like to have strong opinions, but I believe the only correct opinion about DeBoer right now is. 
we don't know. On the one hand, this is a guy that's yeah. really won a lot. You know, played for the national championship here this year. Beat Dan Lanning twice. Lanning's a coach I think that's on the rise. And uh, DeBoer beat him twice here this year. So in terms of actually winning games on the field, the credentials are there. But you know, this is a total outsider to this part of the country. As you alluded to a moment ago, most of the staff hires are not really familiar to SEC fans or SEC prospective player families. There's a lot of introductions that have to go on here. So on the one hand, you could be Urban Meyer, who came from the outside and had great success here. On the other hand, you could be Brian Harson, I guess. So, you know, is, is there one of these outcomes sort of more likely than another? And if you're a Georgia fan, how do you process this new era in Tuscaloosa, especially given the fact that Alabama is obviously on Georgia's schedule and the first SEC game for Kalen DeBoer as he begins his career down here? Yeah, a lot to digest there for sure. Starting with DeBoer, and I'm with you, small sample size. Uh, you know, you say he beat Dan Lanning twice. Well, he was the head coach, but or three times. I I, I wonder. I, I I've got to give Michael Penix some credit for those wins. Uh, you know, he certainly did coach good with a Heisman Trophy runner-up quarterback and uh, two or three NFL receivers. Um, I, I, at Fresno State, he was three and three in the COVID year, and I think uh, maybe nine and three the next year. I want to say Jed Pedford went uh, 10 and 4 the next year. So I, I don't know that Fresno State indicated, um, you know, that he was some wonderkind coach. Uh, I, I think it indicated that he was a pretty solid coach. And Washington said, okay, you know, here's a guy that, you know, won a lot of games in, you know, the college football little league uh, up there at, uh, you know, the University of Sioux Falls, uh, 1400 enrollment. You know, as I joked on the SEC network, Brandon, I mean, he had some impressive wins over uh, Minot State. Uh, Southwest Minnesota, St. Cloud State, uh, Winona State. Um, you know, th- that's, you know, I, so I, I don't know what to make of that. I, I, I just don't know enough about football in South Dakota and Minnesota. Um, I guess he'll be good in snow games, <laughs> cold weather offense. I, I don't know what to make of, a, of an impressive NAIA coaching career. Uh, but I know this, when, when Fresno State played at Alabama uh, a few years back and lost 41-10, to 10, I don't remember, and remember anybody saying, you know, that guy at Fresno State might be Alabama's coach one day. Yeah. Um, you know, so I, I'm with you. The sample size is small. Um, you know, look, the guy's a Boy Scout. Um, you know, he was talking about his maxims the other day, and I think he realized he had a pretty tough crowd uh, because he said our maxims, it, one of our maxims is that Winners win because that's what winners do. Brandon, I think you and I could come up with more inspirational post-game messages coaching our children's games. I know I certainly did, and I would certainly expect much more out of you uh, with your speaking talents. Uh, so I, I just I wasn't impressed. But, but you know what? It, it's going to come down to the games. It's going to come down to how he fares against George on September 28th. Bringing up Brian Harson, I, I think it's a good comparison. Brian Harson had established – a great program for seven years at Boise State. Remember, DeBoer was only at Washington two years. He Did he really build that program? You know, Harson was at Boise seven years, hired Mike Bobo, who he clashed with early and often, uh, eventually split after one year, and then Derek Mason walked. So he brought in two really respected SEC coaches. I mean, Mason and Bobo are two of the best. I mean, they they can't miss guys with their scheming and coaching and play calls. Um, and, and yet Harson missed. So, I feel like we've seen this experiment before. Say this for Greg Byrne, uh, also interesting. 
not afraid to leave the Southeast to make hires. I mean, no. Nate Oates has been a good hire for baseball. Well, that's basketball, you say. Okay, go to Buffalo for basketball. But the baseball coach came from Maryland. Okay, well, he was the two-time Big Ten Coach of the Year at Maryland. I don't know that DeBoer's resume uh, is as proven um, as, as those two other hires. So there, there's questions. But, but final takeaway on DeBoer, there wasn't going to be a good hire. There wasn't going to be a hire that they made um, that you were going to go, yep, that's it, that's the guy. There is no evil Nick Saban twin out there, but I will say this. Dabo Sweeney is a guy that should have got a look. Dabo Sweeney should have got an interview. Dabo Sweeney, uh, you know, the SEC has lost four games to teams from other conferences in the college football playoff in the 10-year history of the four-team playoff. And by the way, Alabama was the only SEC team to lose to a team from another conference in the playoff. They lost to Ohio State. Uh, they lost to Michigan this year, and they lost twice to Clemson and Dabo Sweeney. Um, Dabo played at Alabama. Dabo loved it. This is a passion. This is a guy who lived in Bryant Hall with his mother. His mother moved in with him because of his family. This is a guy – uh, who absolutely dreams of Alabama, who built a very good program at Clemson, which is a hard, hard place to build. Uh, their facilities are, you know, they're good now, but their NIO money doesn't stack up. He at least deserved a conversation, in my opinion. I think that's going to come back to haunt Greg Byrne. If DeBoer doesn't work out, it's not going to be that you didn't hire a good coach. It's that maybe your search wasn't diverse enough. Number one, uh, Mike Loxley was out there. Uh, and then number two, maybe not wide enough or thorough enough. Let me squeeze in one more thing. About 30 seconds left here, Mike, and we certainly appreciate your time. Last night, away from the topic of football for a moment, Georgia goes on the road, fights against the South Carolina team, gets a road win, and a place that's been tough on them in the past, a Gamecocks team that only lost twice before that. I've kind of joked here lately about being on the Georgia basketball bandwagon. I think this is sort of a real thing here right now. You know, tough game against Tennessee on Saturday. That's a obviously sort of a deep run tournament style team. But to bounce back from that loss, go on the road, win at South Carolina. I got to tell you, I think this basketball team is worth being taken seriously right now. For sure. And they're going to be looked at as a fringe team. This moved them up to number 67 in the Ken Palm rankings. Uh, South Carolina was 64 going into this game and a projected number eight seed. Uh, the fact that it was on the road is what means so much. Now, I, I will say, Brandon, Georgia started 3-1 and one last year in the SEC. I do, I do agree this team is cut and built differently. Um, the schedule makers didn't do them any favors. It would have been nice to have another uh, uh, a nice uh, mid-SEC team up next, but instead they've got to go to Rupp Arena mm -hmm. on Saturday. And my goodness, what a gigantic challenge. But it's a long season. And uh, to your point, they, they battled Tennessee. I think that Tennessee is the best team in the league. Uh, had that game in hand seemingly, uh, but Dalton Connect, uh, you know, the, this rising superstar and future NBA first-round draft pick just – you know, had one of those incredible performances. Like Mike White says, sometimes uh, good offense beats good defense. Uh, you know, remains to be seen how they play down the stretch, but I'm with you. Uh, you know, hey, this is a team that's winning basketball games, and I love the mix, all right? A lot of these guys are going to be playing in Europe or NBA developmental leagues. Uh, there's no Anthony Antman Edwards out there, although Silas Demery Jr. is rising quickly, this freshman. But I love the mix of veteran players that are on their second, third, and final chances uh, that have played at other schools um, that have one more chance for collegiate basketball relevancy. If they can turn Georgia basketball into an NCAA tournament team, as I've said, the, the media guide is littered with pages of basketball guys that have tried and failed at Georgia, and all you really hear about them is an occasional social media shout-out. These guys have a chance 
legends is probably a strong word, but have a chance to be remembered. If they can get Georgia back in the NCAA tournament, and this is big for Mike White, too. Let's be honest. His star was on the fade at Florida. Uh, he got out while the getting was still somewhat good and found a, a welcoming home at Georgia with an athletic director that was willing to put the resources behind him and give him another opportunity um, to prove that he was a good hire uh, to replace uh, Billy D down there at Florida, um, that he is a guy who can coach deep into the future in the SEC. Mike White has that look, a former player like Kirby Smart, um, you know, a, a bit of a Boy Scout himself, I suppose, when you talk with him. Uh, but this guy just loves basketball. Uh, his closet is clean. You want to talk about family, uh, certainly the White family, a, a tremendous athletic family in the SEC. So I like the story. I like where it's going. Can't wait to hear you talk more about it on Dog Nation Daily. Oh, we're all on the bandwagon right now, Mike. Uh, thanks for being here. Appreciate your time. And uh, we will look forward to speaking to you soon uh, on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Braided Pest Management. Mike, thanks a lot. You got it. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. Yeah, if you are on the Georgia basketball bandwagon, I need you to slide towards the middle because there's some other folks hopping on. I'm not trying to make too much out of a win against South Carolina, but these are the sort of road wins in the past that Georgia just didn't get. And, you know, perhaps, you know, coming off, the Tennessee game was very winnable. And obviously, you know, this is sort of the story of college basketball. You play well at home. You have a chance to win that game against a marquee opponent. You let it slip away. Could have very easily let that hangover hurt you in Columbia last night, but it didn't. And so that, my friends, is a very good thing. Here's what else is good. How about cruising around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean? A lot of you know, on board, Icon of the Seas next week. Now, this is one of those things that I do for all of you because I want to be able to come back and tell you all about it. I do believe it's going to be a brand new horizon in the cruise vacation experience. Royal Caribbean completely redefining things with Icon of the Seas. And I can't wait to tell you more about that. It's going to be so much fun. But I also want you to be aware of what's going to go down with allure of the seas and our dog nation cruise coming up in april now all of this uh jessica slater's she's even better at talking about this than i am believe it or not great travel agent specially selected for us when it comes to all of our royal caribbean cruise vacation needs jessica's always the one i'm turning to there for that so give jessica a call 770-718-9147 that's 770-718-9147 email her jslater at dreamvacations.com now when you talk to her tell her two things say ba's been talking about icon of the seas Tell me why Icon with the Aquadome and all the cool stuff that's going to be debuting on that brand new cruise ship. Tell me why that's so cool and tell me when I can get on board. And oh yeah, tell me about this Dog Nation cruise there as well because I continue to be hearing about a lot of folks locking in and being a part of this Dog Nation cruise. Hundreds of you have already done it. We're going to have the largest crowd we've ever taken on a Dog Nation cruise. Can't wait to do all of that with you. So RoyalDogs.com for more on that. All right, we're going to kind of bounce through some of this a little bit quickly here today, but there is plenty of news to give you, including Texas adding another wide receiver from the transfer portal. This time it's Silas Bolden. Big numbers last year, or at least big-ish numbers last year for Oregon State. This goes along with Isaiah Bond, who they already brought in. And it's interesting to me here on a couple of fronts. A, we have seen Georgia kind of use the transfer portal as a method for bringing in experienced wide receivers. And now we sort of see Texas kind of doing the same thing here. And it's also, I would say, for the Longhorns, in what is going to be Quinn Ewer's final year of the program, in the first year of the SEC, one of the things that Texas did really well this year, which, you know, create explosive plays for wide receivers, this is their way of saying, we want that to continue here in the SEC. You saw Steve Sarkeesian on the screen a moment ago if you're watching on video, and that is a guy that I think 
is perhaps ready to take sort of a next step in his coaching career. Got to the college football playoff here this year. Seems more fully cemented at Texas than any job he's had in the past. And the next step for him is being competitive and successful in the SEC. The recipe that worked in the final year of the Big 12 in 2023, good receiver play. They're bringing that with them to 2024. Bond, now Bolden, some uh, pretty interesting names coming into Texas as wide receiver transfers. Uh, by the way, uh, another SEC team, obviously, uh, trying to make some noise with some new stuff going on. That's Alabama. Kalen DeBoer continuing to work on his coaching hires. The latest report, I don't think this is official yet, but I believe it will be likely by the time our show begins. Maurice Linguist was the Buffalo head coach. So after bringing in Womack, the South Alabama head coach's defensive coordinator, uh, it looks like DeBoer is going to turn to another sitting head coach as a defensive assistant, in this case, Maurice Linguist. So uh, Linguist did not have a great record at Buffalo, uh, three and nine or something like that. So it's not like he's necessarily a head coach on the rise, but he is a head coach. And so this will be one of the things that DeBoer has a chance to sell. All of these guys who've been head coaches, who were head coaches, here to become Alabama assistants. Um, as I told Mike Griffith a moment ago, we have no idea how any of this is going to play out. But here is the one deal I'm willing to make with Alabama fans because they're kind of going back and forth. Georgia fans kind of going back and forth. There's a lot of uh, hotly contested conversations taking place you know, among fans right now. When it comes to the Kalen DeBoer era, this is the concession I'm willing to make. DeBoer is as good a coach as Alabama fans say he is. That's the concession I'm willing to make. But if that's true today, that's also true in September, October, November. Because here's the thing that Georgia fans have noticed. For a long and see, Alabama fans haven't been through this because Nick Saban's been employed for such a long time. See, Georgia fans who've been around the block a couple of times can remember when Florida fans were telling us how good Jim McElwain was. And then eventually, Florida fans were telling us that Jim McElwain was the problem, but the solution was going to be Dan Mullen, how good Dan Mullen is. But then they were telling us, well, no, actually, Mullen's the problem. It's, it's uh, Billy Napier. That's the, that's, the, that's the solution. And now most of those uh, fans are sort of telling us something a little bit different. So the point here is this. If you're an Alabama fan and you think Kalen DeBoer is the best coach of all time, hiring the best, most capable, competent staff of all time, we believe you on that. You can have your say on that. But we're going to check back in September, October, November, my mentions on social media, your message boards, everything else in between. What are you saying then? That's what we're going to be watching pretty closely to see. So that's the truth I'm willing to make with all of you. And then a couple of other stories real quick. We talked about Ross Bjork yesterday. That's now official. A guy with no real significant professional achievements whatsoever continues to climb the professional ladder somehow. Now athletic director at Ohio State. So I guess we wish him luck as he does that. Interesting transfer within the SEC. Sees former Auburn quarterback Robbie Ashford going to South Carolina. Don't quite know what this means to the Gamecocks necessarily, although I do believe that Ashford is certainly a very capable athlete uh but exactly how he's going to fit into what Dowell Loggins wants to do on the offensive side of the ball there I don't know that I fully uh know that but uh Ashford making the move there to South Carolina and then speaking of familiar names LSU ready to hire a familiar name there too fresh off a stint at Florida that did not go very well Corey Raymond now going back to the area in the country that he's the most comfortable there on the bayou uh, once again rehired as LSU defensive backs coach. So keeping in mind here, a lot of big high-profile hires for LSU, bringing Blake Baker as a defensive coordinator, uh, bringing Bo Davis over from Texas as defensive line coach. That's a really big hire. And getting Raymond back, that'll be well-received in Louisiana there. So that is a piece of news worth noting. And that is also cruising around the SEC, courtesy of 
Royal Caribbean. Now, before we wrap up here on a Wednesday, let me remind you that if you're having some fun here this weekend, you're going to watch some some of the playoffs, professional football, or settling in for some college basketball, or just hanging out with friends and family. No better thing to bring with you on all of that than the great taste of the finished long drink. It's a ready-to-drink cocktail. It comes in a can, sort of looks like a beer, but it's not. It's a ready-to-drink cocktail. And it's, I think, the best-tasting uh, beverage in that category. It's a fun category of beverage. From a flavor standpoint, we think the finished long drink dominates in all of that. And there's a bunch of different varieties you can try. The long drink cranberry, the long drink strong, 8.5% alcohol by volume. Long drink zero, uh, no carbs, no sugar. Long drink, uh, you know, traditional. The blue can, the grapefruit flavor, the gin kick. That's probably, even after all these years, still my favorite. So make sure you go to thelongdrink.com. You can find out where to pick some up today. And you can enjoy yourself some finished long drink. And as we wrap up here today on a Wednesday, a couple of golden shoes to give out. Our good friend Salisha Gagnon shared this with us. Obviously, a lot of uh, former dogs up in Philadelphia, so representing UGA, you guys, Salisha and uh, her husband up there to see that said just a couple of dogs visiting Philly. Hashtag go dogs, hashtag Philly dogs, golden shoe, dog nation, and then tagging at dog nation daily. Salisha, we love to see that. Hope you guys had a good time up there in Philadelphia. Hope you stayed warm, although down here right now, it's probably about as cold down here as it typically is in Philadelphia. So glad to see you having fun on that. Also, yesterday, we gave a golden shoe to Sugar Ray. I always like when Sugar Ray does this. He takes a victory lap after he wins a golden shoe. You see there all his golden shoes that he's won. Uh, me celebrating alongside with him. Very funny. He says, shout out to Brandon Adams for presenting me with my ninth golden shoe award yesterday. I couldn't have done it without the total collapse of Bama football. Very funny stuff. Sugar Ray, a very funny dude. You love to see that. Lousy, stinking Gators, you don't love to see this. 1,166 days. That is how long it's been since Florida's beaten Georgia. That is our Gator Hater Updater. And we'll see you back here tomorrow. Dog Nation Daily, presented by Breda Past Management.